When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to What's a Crime. I'm Linda, and today we're going to be talking about part three of the interview with Ian and Melanie Pulowski. This was done with Nate Eaton from East Idaho News and As you may or may not know, I did part one and two the other day, and now here's part three. But before we get started, if you'd like to be part of the It's a Crime community, please click that subscribe button below and hit that notification bell. Make sure you hit it to all. If you'd like to be part of the Crime Ring, which is my new membership, you can also do that by hitting that join button beside the subscribe button or in the description below. Hit the like button if you support this video and share this out where you can. Now, let's get into it. So as a quick little recap, I did part one and two the other day. Ian and Melanie were answering questions, well, mostly Melanie, and there was some discrepancies that I had found. I'm sure you guys saw a lot as well. So now in part three, Nate starts off by saying, so you do believe that Charles was shot in self-defense, that Alex was defending himself? And Melanie says, absolutely. And I think that Tylee was the biggest. She kind of pauses and she says she was so brave about speaking about it. Tylee is very collected, very mature. I admire Tylee so much for how brave she was. She explained everything as so did Lori, so did Alex. It made sense with how Charles had been acting. And so when she said, I'm glad that Alex was there to protect Tylee, there's no real mention about JJ. And I do realize she was speaking a little bit about how Charles came after her with a bat. So I'll I'll continue on. She said, Lori and Charles was arguing, but the only time Alex said, hey, you know, I'm going to get involved in this, was, you know, was when he had a baseball bat. With Tylee, I don't know if he was going to hit her. Tylee made it sound like he was probably going to hit her and kind of taking the bat away. And I hated that Tylee had to go through that. And in the interview, you could actually see her demonstrating kind of doing one of these. So I guess maybe Tylee had explained that. Then she goes on to talk about, you know, my favorite bit. I talk about Lori, about her smiling afterwards and giggling um, after Charles got killed and she's been married for 14 years to him. Melanie says, I know there's been a lot of criticism of how Lori acted afterwards. You know how she's smiling on camera and I know Lori and when she's uncomfortable or in shock, she'll kind of laugh or smile and try to make light of it. And I do the same thing. It's just how we handle being in shock and every person handles being in shock differently. What's interesting is no little mention how she threw a huge pool party that afternoon, but I guess she was really just in shock. She said Charles said things in court documents that she never heard of before, and that's when he started. She said these strange ideas started flowing around. But really, this wasn't from Charles. Charles came to Melanie and Brandon at their house, and he showed them a document from Chad and Lori and they're back and forth. So it's interesting how she's putting ownership that this is all starting to flow around from Charles. She then goes on to say a little bit about Lori and her faith. 
She says, I know Lori's always been an active member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She loves learning and she spent a lot of time in the temple trying to learn and grow from experiences and try to feel peace from all the things that happened in her life. And Charles, I feel like, took that to an extreme with things that he's said about her. Honestly, I see everything that Charles did and it looks as if he was setting up as soon as Laurie caught on to what he had done, like the emails about his life insurance. Charles sold life insurance and he had his own company. I mean, the text between people, it almost looks like a setup. It was very alarming to see all these things. Yet she says absolutely nothing in here about Chad. It's Charles did this. Charles did that because of this, because Lori confronted Charles that this must be a setup and that this insurance. So she's making it sound like this is a crocky, you know what, and nothing about Chad. So interesting. Don't forget, Charles also was her uncle for 14 years. So all of a sudden, the last episode I talked about how she was saying, you know, Charles loved her and Charles was, you know, just so in love with her and took care of her. And then all of a sudden she's throwing Uncle Charles underneath the bus. So then she goes on to talk about Lori again. She says, and I've been asked what spiritual experiences has Lori had. That's not for me to answer or to say what Lori and Chad's beliefs are. But I know the people they are and I know they're good people and they are trying. As a family, we get together and talk about the mysteries of God and these deep doctrine conversations. And hey, what do you think about this? What about this idea? Hey, this is in a book. What do you think about this? We are allowed to do that. We are allowed to discern truth from error and just learn in our church. We believe in revelation where we can, you know, it's an ongoing process and we're learning and continually everything is changing. And we are just people that are trying to grow in our faith and be closer to Savior and there's no cult. So she's very adamant on this, but here's what I see. She's talking about how they sit together as a family, meaning Lori and Chad and possibly Ian. And she says, we have deep conversations, these deep doctrine conversations. And hey, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And we're allowed to discern truth from Eric. But okay, if you are willing and, and able to sit down and have these deep conversations about life and God and what's truth and what's error, then why aren't you having a deep conversation of where the heck your cousins are? And I'm not talking about now when Lori's in jail. I'm talking about from September when these children went missing. So I think this is a crock that she hasn't had this conversation with Lori. I, at this point, I do believe she does know, but there's a whole lot of protection going on. A lot of beaking from Lori in the past of who's unfair and who did this and how she's being threatened and all this stuff when really it's the opposite way, in my opinion. She, this actually is getting her in more trouble by saying, She's allowed to sit down and have these deep, meaningful conversations. But, you know, I just don't know where my cousins are. I'm sure Lori has a really good reason. It's starting to anger me a little bit. We continue on. She says, Lori is my aunt. Zulema is almost like an aunt to me. And Alex is an uncle. This is my family and we're just trying to learn about these things. But the whole fear where it comes down to Tylee and JJ and this zombie idea came from a disturbing call I got from one of Lori's old friends. That's right after they took off to Hawaii. Hang on, 
I thought they didn't take off to Hawaii. You said that it was planned and that they didn't just take off, but now it's right after they took off to Hawaii. So which one is it? She then talks about this friend and the phone call and she said that she called her and said, Lori and Alex, I think they did something to Tylee and JJ and we don't know where they are at and Lori's lied to you. And she says, all these things didn't feel right to me when I was on this phone call. She said, I felt a lot of fear and doubt and that's when I went into this worrying phase. So she then goes on to say, you know, I'm newly married to Ian and I'm sharing these things with him and these worries and she can't sleep at night and she said she doesn't know what's going on and doesn't know where they're at and doesn't understand these things so if you're willing and able to have all these conversations again i'm going back to this about god and all these things and you're worrying then why aren't you just picking up the phone and talking to Lori? you did say you don't have her phone number but you also said you talked to her in december and i'll get to that in a minute so then she goes on to talk a little bit about how Ian was talking to Natalie and Brandon and didn't tell her about it. And she said it was terrifying through going through all this stuff. And those conversations were about, you know, Melanie plotted to kill Brandon and, and she's in a cult and she's trying to figure out all these pieces and what Brandon's plans are and who he's working with and where her kids are. So she did say December was just terrifying and she says we're thrown into this boiling pot as soon as we got married. She uses boiling pot a couple times. Interesting choice of words. So then Nate says, Melanie, did you actually believe what Lori and Chad was telling you or were you telling Ian just to get it off your chest to say, I don't know what to think? And she says, Lori and Chad did not tell me most of those things in the document. Those were fears I was hearing from other people and never did I believe them. I'm an open book. I just say how it is. Actually, you're not. You think you are, but you're not. Then she goes on to talk more about Ian and how she didn't know that she was being recorded and that he was talking to Brandon and Natalie. And she says she knew that Natalie would probably get a hold of Brandon and Brandon's going to run with all these lies of her. And she went on to say that Ian acted on fears and doubt rather than the things he did know, but she doesn't hold any blame towards him. And she says, I'm continuously dumping on him. What if this happened? What if that happened? Maybe you should ask this question to Lori. She said her dad was sending her threatening messages that Brandon Boudreaux was claiming. Interesting, she used the full name Brandon Boudreaux. She's been married to this guy for 11 years, you know, previously married, and she's known him for years and years. And um, I found her being sneaky, in my opinion, in this interview where she uses her his full name a couple of times like you know um she'll be talking just saying you know with brandon instead of saying that she goes you know with brandon boudreaux well i feel like that was like let's get his full name out there it's kind of like a little jab in my opinion <laughs> then she says i still to this day didn't know if this shooting happened or who did this well what, he's gonna break his Tesla's window just for the heck of it? Like, no. Nate says, do you think this was Alex? And she says, the only time I thought it was Alex was I think the first initial fear of could have Alex done something like this. 
And she says the day after the shooting, she told the authorities, you know, here's all the people that Brandon associates with. And they said, well, do you have Alex and Lori's phone number? Do you think they had anything to do with it? She says, no. And she says, it sounds like Brandon was trying to set them up for something, but she knows they don't have anything to do with it. So then she continues on by talking about later in December, Alex passes away. And then on Christmas day, she had a phone call between her and Brandon. She said Brandon um, was bullying her and she had to listen to that for the last hour and being threatened. And Brandon says, well, you have to go to the FBI and say that you know that Alex shot at me. And she says, well, I don't know that Brandon. And he said, if you ever want to see your kids again, you'll have to go to FBI the FBI and tell them that he shot at me. And then she says, well, why did the authorities not call Alex or pull him and say, hey, I have some questions. Well, do we even know that? We don't, we don't even know, right? And she goes on to say, well, Brandon was so sure, but his story kept changing. Well, maybe at first he didn't know what the heck was going on. Then he hired an investigator and the investigator is putting two and two together and saying that it was Alex. So maybe that could be why his story kept changing. She says she's been trying to put the pieces together. The knowledge that she has doesn't add up. And still to this day, she says, I haven't seen a shred of evidence that leads her to believe it is Alex Cox. Maybe I might do another video on that with that actual day of the shooting. Let me know if you want to see that in the comments below. Then Nate says, do you believe that Brandon has turned dark? And she says, no, in our faith you have as you increase in becoming closer to your savior and act on obedience and righteousness, you increase in light. And as you make bad decisions or invite evil things into your life, you are losing that light of Christ. We talk about in our religion, the gift of spiritual discernment. I think you look at the fruits of people to know for yourself. Is this a good person I want to have in my life? Is this a bad person? And never is there any ill intent if there's somebody who's not making good choices in their life to do harm for them. Pray for them and bless those who persecute you and use you. And I don't see children as being light or dark. We believe in at the age of eight is the age of accountability when you're baptized. And from then on, you can make decisions in light or dark if you will. That's just the terminology as I see it as. The way things are worded, it sounds terrifying. They're stemming from bits of truth. Now, just a little side note, JJ will be eight this May the 25th. So then Nate says, well, in talking with you guys, you do seem like mainstream LDS. And Nate goes on to say that he's actually a lifelong member and he's never heard of a lot of that stuff that's come out recently with Chad and Lori and all this other stuff. He says a lot of people who hear that says, whoa, that's fringe. And they're uncomfortable with the word cult. And then Nate says, you said earlier, Melanie, that you're not in a cult, but are you in a fringe group or are you in a group that's not mainstream? And was Lori and Chad in a group that was not mainstream? And the lawyer pipes in and says, hang on one second. And then they have a little chit chat. So I'm interested that the lawyer stops the interviews like, no, 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 we got to have a little chat. And then Ian and Melanie are having a chat about, you know, cult versus fringe versus LDS and all these things. I wish it was a fly on the wall. So then they come back and Melanie starts talking and she says, 
I don't, I'm not in any cult and I don't believe in any radical beliefs. I don't believe in anything that is against the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There are topics where we don't have full understanding like you see in the document that talks about translation. She says translation, we don't have information a lot in the church. It's something that's talked about in the scriptures. And these are things that you know are interesting and we want to know more of them. These are the mysteries of God that no one really has has the real answers on these are things to learn about but there's no beliefs that I have or that I know that Lori and Chad have that are against the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints okay what you're saying there's no beliefs that I have or I know that Lori and Chad have that are against the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints so you're saying you haven't seen the document about translated beings and light and dark and um, Chad having a rating system of the whole family and that Chad actually also had um, the seven things well the translation you met you mentioned it there so maybe some things are part of the church we know a lot isn't so you're lying right there she says, but there's no beliefs that I have or that I know that Lori and Chad have that are against the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay, so then what's his documents about? Now tell me you haven't seen them because the whole world has. And you also mentioned that you climb online and want to correct people on the truth. So I'm inviting you guys. You're welcome to come on here and tell us what the truth is and where the kids are because I believe you know. Nate says, one more question about the document, Ian, and then we can move on. He says, you mentioned that your whole intent wasn't to smear anybody. Your intent was to protect your family and help solve the case of the missing kids. So can you address the public about what you are all doing to help in the case? And Ian says, you know, so to the best of our knowledge, we've cooperated fully with the FBI, with law enforcement. We are trying to put some, I guess, trying to set people at ease a little bit. Right now, the kids are missing. We don't know where they are. There's so much speculation because of this information was leaked. You know, and the accusations that Charles made in his divorce paperwork. All we know is that they're missing. Here's what's interesting before I get into it anymore. Ian is the husband of Melanie. We know that. They've been married since November and they met in November. They met November 20th on a first date and they were married 10 days later. Ian doesn't have a clue who Charles is. He has no clue. He's only been told now and seen documents, but he doesn't know Charles. And he doesn't know Tylee and JJ. And apparently he's only met Chad once. So it's interesting here how he says there's so much speculation because of this information was leaked, you know, and the accusations that Charles made that Charles made in this divorce paperwork. Well, can you really speak to that? How do you know that that's speculation? You don't. We continue on. He says, and I think that Lori's mom, Janice, she put it really well. The kids aren't missing to Lori. They are missing to the rest of us. We don't know where. And while I would absolutely love to know where they are and just get this over with and move on with my life, I have to try and have faith and believe that there's going to be a happy ending. I certainly hope there is because it's going to have a really negative effect on my life and Melanie's life if there isn't. Okay, so she... He's bringing Lori's mom into the mix. And I think this is a really good point because he says the kids aren't missing to Lori. They are missing to the rest of us. We don't know where. And 
this is what makes me think over and over that maybe the kids are still alive. I mentioned about in Hawaii, the lawyer saying, well, of course she's not going to give up the kids because it says right here in the document that these kids are going to go to foster care after that. And she doesn't want that. So that was where I was like, mm, that's a good point, right? If she's reading that and now she's going to be like, no, then I'm not going to show you my kids at all. The other thing is... The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. She makes that smirk a lot, like she knows more than what we do, and she knows where they are. Regardless of what the actual outcome is, where they are, they are or not, she knows where they are either way. So this is a true statement in my opinion. Um, she says, you know, Janice said this and she probably does know where the kids are. The other thing that's interesting in this paragraph is he's getting fed up, but he does bring it back to me, 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 me. He says, well, I would absolutely love to know where they are and just get this over with and move on with my life. I have to try and have faith and believe that there's going to be a happy ending. I certainly hope there is because it's going to have a really negative effect on my life and Melanie's life if there isn't. And Melanie goes on to talk about, you know, she invited the FBI into her home a few hours and they talked. And she said, my first meeting with FBI, I shared a lot of these things like I'm sharing with you, Nate. And they're like, this isn't where we thought this is going at all. And she talked about hearing all these things from Kay and Brandon and Natalie. And we haven't heard this other side of why Lori would be doing what she's doing and push the need to protect them. And then Nate brings up, uh, you know, that there's been said it's a lot of hype. And I did talk about this in my previous video um, because in the Dateline episode, Ian himself says, you know, this isn't, this isn't what's really going on. Now I'm starting to see it's not the hype that everybody's made it out to be. So Nate brought that up and I was glad that he did. Nate goes on to say the hype could die down if the kids were produced and if she said where the kids are why do you think she doesn't? Then Melanie goes on to say I don't have that answer but I know no one is listening to her side. She's been what seems proven guilty before even given the chance to speak for herself and I know she hasn't come forward and said that. She knows what she's doing I believe and she knows where the kids are. I can't remember the quote she said something very initially about when all the speculation and rumor is done. I believe when all the speculation and rumor is done and we are looking at all the facts here, I know she has a story to tell. She sure does. And so Nate says, well, Melanie, why can't you just ask her where her kids are? And she says, well, she's in jail and everything and there's recording conversations with her lawyer and that's been recorded and I feel like this is a huge concern and I don't think if I asked her, she would tell me. No, probably because you already asked her before and she told you and you guys made some secret pinky swear act and she goes on to say she's got a plan and I just want to have love and support when it comes down to it it, it doesn't stick to the knowledge of what I know they, and she says the kids don't want to be with Kay JJ has never wanted to be with Kay Melanie says that she might have met Kay one time and wasn't a big part of JJ's life she says I see a lot of things behind the scenes that aren't being said well Charles died. Charles, one who, Charles and Lori were the ones who were looking after JJ and Tylee. Charles is dead. Lori takes off. 
JJ needs someone to take care of him. And so she, Lori's looking pretty unreliable. And then she takes the kids and just off and doesn't tell anybody and doesn't even tell her own oldest son, takes off to Rexburg, Idaho, just like all these other guys do all together and a bunch of lies of where they're moving. And yeah, maybe Kay's going to be a little upset. So she's painting Kay in a really, really bad light. Kay may have said some bad things. Maybe she did. But tons of people do too. And her brother just got killed. Her grandson, she doesn't know where she is. And she's probably blaming Lori. I'm sure they had fights. I'm sure Lori said some crappy things to her. We know that because she didn't collect on her $1 million. And then Kay may have said something back, but that doesn't mean she doesn't want to see JJ. They're the one who made the call. If you were smart, you would have made the call because you didn't see your cousins either, but you wanted to protect Lori rather than protect his children. So there's something going on here. The more I dig, the more I'm getting mad, the more I think Melanie's involved. Had I not dug into this, I would have thought, nah, maybe she's just being naive. But now I'm, I'm believing she knows more than what she's saying. So Nate says, do you think they are safe? I know Chad has said they were safe. Side note, Chad didn't say they were safe. He said his kids were safe. And that meant his other kids. So he, in his mind, didn't think he lied because he said, yeah, the kids are safe. But he wasn't talking about JJ and Tylee, in my opinion. He says, do you think that they're in a bunker somewhere? And the lawyer pipes in again. He's like, okay, Nate, I'm going to step in, basically. He's like saying that the family's never seen anything that would indicate that Lori would ever harm their her children and he says they know Lori had a basis to take steps to protect her kids but has expressed that you know she she can't trust anybody and and also he says that in ex in Lori's experience in her life she's had a substantial distrust in the system because of its failure in her ability to protect the kids and the judicial system because of her experience with the kids and he repeated a couple things and he says, it's hard to say, just tell them where the kids are because it undermines everything that he just said about how Lori distrusts the system. She's doing something to protect her kids, et cetera, et cetera. And he says, and her ultimate purpose is to protect the kids. That's Lori's goal is to protect them. Then Melanie says, instead of asking where the kids are, she says, I think the bigger question is why does Lori feel the need to protect her kids from who, from what? And until we know that question, she probably won't tell any of us and she's willing to sit in jail. Then the lawyer pipes in and starts bashing Kay a little bit, saying, well, I saw a news clip of Kay and she says she never threatened Lori and then she said she had some phone calls and emails and said she really wanted to see JJ, but yet she said some mean things. Either He says, either you said mean things or you didn't. Lori said she did. In Lori's mind and perspective, she was under attack. Oh, of course. Because also, Lori thought she was under attack when Charles confronted her and said, hey, like, why, where's this email from? Like, why does it say my name? And she's like, you guys are after me, you and Adam, and you guys are, in, and she's, Okay, under attack, okay. Anyways, Nate says, Melanie, when's the last time you talked to her? And she says, the second week in December after Alex had passed, the night that Ian conveniently told her that he's been talking to the FBI is the same day that Lori talked to Melanie. I just thought that was interesting. I'd like to know who called who because Melanie said she didn't have her phone number. Was it Lori that called or was it Melanie that called and said, Oh my gosh, Ian just told me that 
he's been recording me with the FBI. He doesn't have Alex to talk to because he's dead. And don't you find it weird that she talked to him in the second week? Was it with Alex? Because she's saying around the 19th. Alex died on the 12th. Why wouldn't they have a conversation together about a family member that died on the 12th or the 13th? I call BS. There's some BS going on here. I do. Um, if somebody in my family, your family, somebody else's family, word gets around, right? Hey, so-and-so passed away. Okay, maybe it's not that same night. Maybe it's that next day, but your family's going to know. I find it really hard to believe that Lori did not talk to Melanie when Melanie lost her best friend, Alex, and Lori didn't come to comfort her, right? Weird. And then Nate says, well, what would be your final closing statement? And she says, our biggest focus is we're working on our own custody cases that are affected by all this speculation and rumor. Lori's words. Deflecting from what our exes are doing and keeping our kids away from us unjustly. That's our biggest focus. We are running on faith, hope that Lori's got a plan and she knows where JJ and Tylee are, but I don't know where my own children are. And she says, people aren't seeing the whole picture of things and this is a whole deflection on the truth. The This is the ex's goal is to distract. And Nate says, Ian, is there anything you wanna add? And he says, Melanie, she was the primary caretaker for her four kids for 10 years, never did anything at all to harm them, was a loving mother and for some reason now Brandon is trying to take him away. Honestly, Ian, how would you know? How would you know if she was a loving mother or not? Now, I'm not saying she isn't. So please don't go in the comments and freak out. I'm not saying she isn't a loving mother. I'm just saying, how would Ian know if she was a loving mother or not? He's never even met the children. And they've been married for two minutes. And you haven't seen her around her own children. Yes, you've seen her around your children, but never hers. And I'm not saying she isn't a good mom. I'm not saying she's a bad mom. I'm just saying, Ian, how the heck would you know if she treated her kids right in that relationship because you don't know her kids, you've never met them, and you just don't know. So I don't think that's a fair statement in there. He wants to believe that, of course, because he's her husband, but really... You can't say it. And then he says, well, same with my ex-wife. I took care of my kids. So Ian and Melanie are saying that the exes are using this case of Lori's to get back at them. But, and they said, this whole case is being used to keep our own children away. But rightly so, right? Aren't they actually doing the responsible thing? If you really take a look at this, Brandon has an attempt made on his life. He finds out and believes that it's his wife's uncle that tried to kill him. And he takes steps to protect his four children because he also knows his other uncle Charles was, was killed by Uncle Alex. And now he thinks Uncle Alex is coming after him, right? So he's doing the responsible thing by taking care of his own life and taking care of his children's life. Fair. Now... Melanie marries this new guy. Ian has two kids and an ex-wife. And his ex-wife at first is like, okay, like I'm not sure what's going on. And then when she finds out what's starting to go on or what, you know, what the media is saying and everybody's saying, she's going, you know what? I need to protect my kids. So kudos to them for actually being responsible. So yeah, I wouldn't give you the kids either 
if you're starting to say all these things and do these things, find out the truth or come out with the truth. I'm not, I'm not so sure Ian really knows a whole lot what's going on, but I do believe Melanie knows more than she is letting on. I do. I never thought she did before, but now I really believe she does. Because don't forget, the court systems didn't really protect Melanie either. So Melanie and Lori, they're two peas in a pause. They might, might as well be sisters. They might as well be twins. So going back about the kids, Ian says, you know, there's a preliminary hearing that was supposed to be happening in May, but because of COVID, it's pushed out to July, and we are just ready for it to be done. And then Melanie uses this name again, the Boudreaux case. Weird. You've been married to him for 11 years, but you had to make sure that last name got in. The Boudreaux case, Brandon didn't show up, and later on, two days later, seeing him in the front row at Lori's hearing, she said she was shocked about that, and she said, where were my kids during that time, and why are they not the focus of his life? They are. He's protecting them. She did say that Mother's Day was the next day, and hopefully that Brandon had kindness in his heart and let them talk to her. I know in divorces, it's not always the prettiest thing, so... I can, I can feel for her for that, but um, she does thank Nate for being willing to clarify and talks about how she sees things being reported on. She just really wants to fix those. And then she says his full name again, Brandon Boudreaux claimed that she has a million dollar of reasons to shoot at him and she's in a cult and she says she appreciates that Nate gives the time to report this and happy that he's willing to clear this up. And she says thanks for hearing her out. So let's have this chit chat below about this. The more I dig, like I said, the more I'm finding like, mm, no, I think you're more like Lori than we think and not telling us. Especially when she wanted to dig into, you know, so much about the religion and stuff. If you're so curious and want to know about that, then you're probably going to want to know things like, Hey, Chad and Lori, I just saw this email and I saw how you rated this. I'm really curious. Like, what's this all about? Anyway, let's have a chit chat below. This is a freaking gong show. And subscribe if you haven't done so already. Give it a like if you support this video and share it out where you can. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon.